All right, Genesis chapter 45. How many of you have lived in the same place for more than a year? That's good. <laughs> Two years? How about more than five years? Anybody lived in the same place more than 20 years? Well, we got some more takers. How about 40 years? Oh, there's one. 40? No, oh, there's another one back there. Anybody live in the same place more than 50 years, Carol? <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk about moving today. <laughs> now, this isn't a suggestion uh, or anything like that. And I know my wife doesn't want to move again anytime soon. So <laughs> we're going to talk about on the move. And uh, we talked about Joseph and uh, moving Jacob down to Egypt. Uh, once again, we are looking at Joseph, and uh, as we do, uh, kind of reviewing what we've looked at thus far, Joseph was 11th of Joseph's 12 sons. He was also his father's favorite son. His 10 older brothers were jealous of Joseph's relationship with their father. They even grew to hate their brother, uh, hate him so much they sold him into slavery. His path took him to Egypt, and he prospered there, uh, but he was falsely accused and put into prison, and uh, it looked like God had forgotten about him. Uh, that's the way things appeared. Uh, in all of his trials, God had been with Joseph. He was leading him, blessing him, developing him. After a time, God delivered him uh, from prison, brought him, him to the attention of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh made him the prime minister of Egypt. Now, in that new position, he had greater power and wealth. He, used, uh, uh, he was used of the Lord to save the nation of Israel and much of the known world in that day, in fact, because of the, uh, of the famine. And it had gripped the whole world, and people came from all over the world to Egypt. And, and God used Joseph to, to really save uh, many people from starvation. And among those were his ten older brothers. They didn't recognize him when they came to Egypt. But he knew who they were uh, through a series of events. He brought his brothers to the place of confession. And they admitted what they had done to him. And he reveals his identity to his brothers. And they be, are reconciled. Now, here in the passage, uh, continuing on in, ch in chapter 45, uh, we see that uh, Joseph sends his brothers back to Canaan to get their father and their families. And they've all been uh, invited to move to Egypt where they could be fed and protected. And so we're going to find uh, here Jacob finding out that his son, Joseph, is still alive. Uh, we see him uh, leaving his home in Canaan to go to Egypt. And as we watch old Jacob moving down to Egypt, you know, moving's not so bad. I think we've moved uh, 23 or 24 times. Uh, we've lost count. Uh, she doesn't want to be reminded of how many times we moved. But when we were younger, that was a lot easier. Uh, when you get older, uh, moving's not so much fun anymore. But here's Jacob. He's up in years now. And he's going to have to pick up from Canaan and go to Egypt. 
So let's look, go back to verse 16, and let's read there. It says there, And the fame thereof was heard of Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come, and it pleased Pharaoh well, and his servants. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye, laid your beasts, and go on, get you into the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households, and come unto me, and I will give you the good of the land of Egypt, and he shall eat the fat of the land. Uh, land. Then verse 19, it says, Now thou art commanded, this do ye, take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff, for the, Lord, for, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. And the children of Israel did go, and did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. I like that good Bible word stuff, don't you? Uh, that's in the Bible. So if you use the word stuff, that's, that's fine. It's right there. Regard not your stuff. That's a good advice there too. Regard not your stuff. Sometimes we regard our stuff too much, don't we? And uh, so he says, regard not your stuff. Then in verse 23... Or 22, he says, To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver, five changes of raiment, and to his father he went after this manner, ten asses laden with good things of Egypt, and ten she-asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father by the way. So here we have all the instructions that have been given and the provisions that have been made. And so we come, first of all, to moving and worries. Moving and worries. Uh, the most fun part about moving is packing up, right? Not. Uh, trying to get everything into boxes and into, into whatever. Uh, well, that's, uh, and then you're going to have to fit that into uh, a truck or whatever. But uh, uh, sometimes moving gets to be worrisome. Well, here we have moving and worries. Look at verse 24. Verse 24, So he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and he said unto them, See that ye fall not out of the way. And they went up out of Egypt, and came into the land of Canaan, unto Jacob their father, and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is the governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. Uh, it's almost like he had a heart attack. Man, uh, I thought that he was dead, Jacob was thinking. And here he's alive, and he's the governor over all of Egypt. Life of Jacob had started at a really a life of struggles and lots of heartbreaks in his life, so maybe he was used to that to a certain point. But he grew up in a home where there was turmoil him, uh, uh, between himself and his brother Esau. Uh, he did leave; uh, he had to leave home after he helped his mother deceive his father. He stole his brother's birthright. He spent 20 plus years working for his uncle Laban. Uh, he and his uncle worked hard. They, had to, uh, they could trick and deceive each other. And then finally, Jacob leaves Laban's house to return to the land of his fathers. And on the way home, his beloved wife Rachel dies. So you can see that uh, Jacob has had a difficult life. And then his favorite son, Joseph, is, is missing, presumed dead. And really, that's a thumbnail sketch of Jacob's life. Uh, it sets the stage here for an old man that, uh, that he's become, and we see him in action in these verses. Notice, first of all, Jacob's disposition. Jacob's disposition. From a very early age, Jacob had been taught, 
just by the lifestyle around him, to always expect the worst. Uh, uh, that's kind of a rough, uh, rough life. Uh, maybe some of you had that kind of life too when you were uh, uh, raised. Uh, just expect the worst. Uh, he had been trained to be a doubter and a worrier. Uh, that's a, not a good way to train your children, but that's the way Jacob had been trained. Now, he'd been trained to be a doubter and a worrier. Well, first of all, his mother contributed to this. Remember, she led Jacob to believe that his father loved Esau more than he loved Jacob. And uh, she convinced Jacob that Esau was out to kill him and that he uh, should leave home. So his mother helped him become a doubter and a worrier. His uncle contributed to this. Uncle Laban deceived Jacob when he gave Jacob Leah for a wife instead of Rachel. He deceived Jacob when he made him work all those years for his wives and his flocks. Uh, He even threatened to kill Jacob. His uncle Laban contributed to his life of being a doubter and a worrier. Uh, His own wife contributed to this. Leah, that is, accused Jacob of not loving her. What about Rachel? Well, she blamed Jacob for her failure to conceive children. So we should say his wives contributed to this. And then, fourthly, his sons contributed to this. They came to him carrying the coat of Joseph. They had killed a goat and smeared it with blood. And when Jacob saw the coat, of course, the first thing he thinks about, well, something terrible has happened to Joseph. And so his doubts rise to the occasion, and he assumes that Joseph must be dead. So his sons contributed to his being a doubter and a worrier. And then the events of life contributed to this. Again, he uh, was forced to leave home. He was deceived by his uncle. He uh, lived with four wives and 12 children. That'd give you some doubts and some worries, wouldn't it? Uh, his sons, with the exception of Joseph and Benjamin, were all evil men. Uh, they, his own home was filled with uh, immorality and sin. Uh, his wife died. His brother hated him. Uh, his sons deceived him. His favorite son was stripped from him. So Jacob had been trained by the events of his life and by the influence of those around him to be a doubter and a worrier. His sons are down in Egypt now, and I'm sure Jacob's wringing his hands and wondering what's going to happen to the rest of them. He'll probably never see them again. Again, he's learned to expect the worst. Now, Some of you may have had that same kind of training. You have been taught to expect the worst. Maybe it was because a parent didn't love you. Maybe it was because a trusted adult had disturbed you. Maybe it was because uh, a supposed friend totally destroyed your confidence and your trust in people. Maybe you still hear the voices in your head that say something like, well, you're no good, you're worthless. I wish you'd never been born. What a loser you are. You know what? You can't do anything right. I don't know if anybody had that told you. You know, sometimes parents tell their children that. It's terrible. You can't do anything right. You're a loser. You're you're no good. You'll turn out just to be like your mother or your father. Well, that's good training. Not. Maybe you've walked through some hard places and you've had some scars left on your mind and your heart. These things could be a part of your world. 
They shouldn't be, but they are the product of sin. And when they happen, they can be devastating. And they can mark your mind for life. And that's why we must protect our minds from the attacks of the flesh and the enemy. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a, a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You know, sometimes I think we just need to get in the Word and we need to preach to our own hearts. We need to remind ourselves what Jesus said. Jesus said uh, that uh, God hath not given us the spirit of fear. Actually, Paul said this and uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. So this training of being a doubter and a worrier didn't come from God. It doesn't come from God because He's not the one who's going to give you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Your past and your problems should not be allowed to shape the person you are today. You might not just be able to forget what you've heard or seen, But God can help you get past the evils that would shape you. Now we talked a little bit about this, I think, uh, recently in talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not for the other person as much as it is, is to heal your own heart. When you forgive, it's a healing process for you. And you don't need to dwell upon those terrible things in the past. Yeah, I know, you can't, you can't forget them. They seem to be always there, but you don't have to dwell upon them. And if you forgive those who've hurt you, it, can heal, it, it will heal you. So, we see Jacob's disposition. But notice also Jacob's doubts. His sons return from Egypt. He, they come with good news. They tell their father that Joseph's alive. He's well. They tell him that He's the ruler of the entire land. And when Jacob hears that, of course, he, uh, he's, his heart is faint. Uh, he can't believe his ears. He can't believe what he's hearing. In fact, he refuses to believe it. Jacob had held tightly onto the belief that Joseph was dead for so many years, he, he couldn't even grasp the truth that he was now alive. And the good news he heard was simply too good to be true. And you know, that's the, the problem with doubt. Doubt is a powerful thing. It has the power to extinguish the flame of faith in our hearts. Doubt is a powerful weapon. Notice how doubt manifests itself in a number of places in the Bible. Remember Jairus. He thought it was too late. Doubt told Jairus, it's too late for your daughter. Mark 5.35, when he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain, which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Doubt told Simon Peter that it was wrong, wrong time and wrong place to fit, go fishing. Luke 5.5 5 says, And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. A doubt told Andrew that there are too many people. There's not enough food. John 6.9, There's a lad here which hath 
five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? He doubted. Doubt looked in the face of life and doubted his power, uh, Christ's power to accomplish a resurrection. In John 11, Jesus said, Take ye away the stone, Martha, the sister of him was dead, uh, uh, that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he's been dead four days. Doubt. Doubted whether he could be raised again. And then doubt told the prophet Elisha that there's nothing in the house but a small pot of oil. You see, doubt was wrong in every case. Doubt is always wrong. When doubts come your way, remind them of just who your God is. God is a God that's matchless and limitless in power. He's a God who can do anything he pleases to do, any time he pleases to do it. He can even take a situation like the one before us here in this text and change it all around for his glory. Our God is able to take the is not and change it to the is. All the while Jacob thought Joseph was not, Joseph was alive and well down in Egypt. Jacob was at home crying, is not, is not, is not. God in heaven is looking at the same set of facts and he's saying he is, he is. Never forget that heaven can't see what you and I can't. Heaven can see what you and I can't. And here's what we need to remember the next time you face an is not in your situation in your life. Psalm 37. Remember that? Remember remember Psalm 37? Are you still, is it still there? Psalm 37, verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good, and so shalt thou dwell in the land. And verily shalt thou be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall, bring it to, uh, he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. I challenge you to review those verses, all of 40 of them. And the next time doubt comes, just start quoting Psalm 37. Moving in worries. Secondly, notice moving in wagons. Oh man, if he'd had some wagons like that, he'd have been all right, huh? Look at verse 26. And told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he's the governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived, and Israel said, It is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. The sons of Jacob have returned from Egypt with incredible news. Jacob, of course, having a hard time comprehending it. But they brought some concrete evidence Where would they get a bunch of empty wagons? And they have ten donkeys carrying the rest, the best of the land of Egypt. So we see this meeting between Jacob and his sons. Notice that first of all, the wagons came with problems. The wagons came with problems. They told him all the words of Joseph. Now, let that sink in just for a moment. For over 25 years, these men have allowed their father 
to believe that their, his favorite son had been killed by wild animals. For 25 years, he's believed this. For 25 years, they deceived their father and they've deprived him of the companionship of his son, Joseph. Now, they stand before him and they say, well, everything's uh, okay. They tell him about all the lies and, of course, all the cover-ups. They tell him how Joseph worked with them until they made full confession. Then they tell him about Joseph and the glory he has down in Egypt, there in verse 13. Jacob learns that this, his son he thought was dead is really the governor of all the land of Egypt. It's more than he can understand or grasp. Surely the old man is more confused than ever than he, when he hears the story from his boys. He might have been angry as they told him they had lied to him. On the other hand, hope is beginning to take root in his heart. What if they are telling the truth? What if Joseph really is alive? Is it possible? Secondly, the wagons came with proof. As Jacob listens to these boys tell their tale, he really wanted to believe, but could he believe anything they told him? Did he dare believe? But as these doubts coursed through his mind, perhaps one of his sons sensed the difficulty and said, Father, if you don't take our word for it, then just go look outside. Look at what Joseph sent us from Egypt. And the old man goes to the, the door of the tent, and he looks out into his mammoth. There's ten donkeys loaded with food and provisions and treasures. There's wagons. Those aren't his wagons. He didn't own that many wagons. He didn't look, they didn't look like that. These wagons had the markings of a different country on them. Maybe they had different license plates. These wagons had the appearance of Egypt. And he sees them and he believes. And for the first time in over 20 years, maybe a smile begins to break forth on the corner of his mouth. And for the first time as many years, tears of joy spill out of his eyes. And he's beginning to say, it is enough. I will go and see him before I die. The wagons came with proof. Then thirdly, the wagons came with a purpose. Verse 19 tells us that the wagons were sent to carry Jacob and his family to their new home. The wagons were sent to transport them home. It's interesting, again, and I've pointed this out a number of times as we've been looking at Joseph here, how he pictures the Lord Jesus, isn't it? We see this again here. We see Jesus in Joseph's forgiveness. We see him as his role as a savior. We see him in his sufferings. We see him in his righteousness. We see the face of Jesus in this account as well. Just as surely as Joseph sent wagons to carry his father safely to Egypt, our Savior has given us many precious blessings that help us get through this world. You think of some of the wagons, the heavenly wagons that Jesus has has sent, let me share with you several of them. First of all, he sent us his spirit. John 16, 13, How be it when when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. The spirit of God indwells us, and he fills us, and he guides us, and he uses us. That's one of God's heavenly wagons 
is the Holy Spirit. Another one is his presence. Matthew 28, 20 says, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of, end of the world. Amen. So be it. Other places in the New Testament, he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us. He's promised to walk every step of the journey with us. That's a wagon from heaven. There's his provisions. Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's a promise. He's promised to meet every need in our lives for his glory. His provisions. And then there's his word. Oh, thank God for his word this afternoon. God has given us a perfectly inspired and preserved record of himself in the Bible. It's without error. It feeds the saint and convicts the sinner. It converts the soul and guides the steps. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. That's a heavenly wagon. And then he's given us his salvation, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation that God gives us is perfect, it's complete, it washes away every sin, makes the sinner completely whole. Salvation that endures forever, it's salvation that can take the vilest sinner and transform them into a holy saint. And then of course there's the wagon of his return. It's still coming. Now, if God promised all these other things and they came to pass, why wouldn't his return come to pass as well? We could go through many passages of Scripture where you find where Christ died on the cross, he rose again three days later, and he ascended back to heaven. He left us with the promise that he would return and take us home, that we might spend eternity with him in heaven. These are just a few of the many blessed wagons of glory that exist to carry us safely into a place called heaven. Then there's moving in worship. We're going to the next chapter, chapter 46, and the first seven verses. I don't know if you saw this back in verses 25 through 27, but the brothers returned home, and they told a broken, doubting man by the name of Jacob that Joseph was alive. And at first he refused to believe them. And when he saw the wagons, look at verse 28 again. And Jacob said, is that what it says? It says Israel said. Isn't that interesting? It is not Jacob anymore, it's back to Israel. Israel said. Doubting man was Jacob. The believing man is now Israel. Israel said it is enough. You see, Jacob was his fleshly name. Jacob means what? Schemer, trickster, deceiver. And Jacob was all those things and more. But you remember, you remember one night near a brook, Jacob met the Lord. And they wrestled through the night and Jacob got a new name. And the Lord changed his name to Israel. Israel means prince of God. That was his spiritual name. And that's what's used here in verse 28. Israel said, is enough. It was the flesh that doubted. 
But Jacob was in control. Uh, when Jacob was in control, uh, then we see a whining, fearful, faithless man. But when faith reacts within his heart, the new man believes God and follows the Lord confidently. Notice Jacob's fear. Verse 1 of chapter 46. Then Joseph came and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan. Behold, they are in the land of Goshen. So Jacob takes his possession. He heads with, uh, with his family uh, to Egypt. And you'll notice that Pharaoh sent word that they would not need their stuff down in Egypt. They were to leave all their things behind because Pharaoh would give them all they needed when they arrived in Egypt. But Jake's, uh, Jacob's kind of like the rest of us. He takes his stuff anyway. <laughs> I can't get rid of that. I've had that for how many years now? I can't get rid of that. No, I need that. You haven't used it for how many years? Oh, but I gotta have it. She has a hard time letting go of his past, doesn't he? It's just like us. We're so filled with fear that we find it hard to sometimes completely trust God. We want to hang on to our stuff. If we could just learn to trust the Lord completely, we would see that He will take care of us. And like Jacob, we still have our doubts and our fears. But notice his faith. Jacob's faith. Go to verse 2. Chapter 46, verse 2, it says, And, God's, uh, uh, and God spake unto Israel in the visions. Seems like I got a wrong, wrong verse there. Don't Never mind that, what's up there. Go Check the Bible, okay? Stay with the Bible. You know, sometimes uh, PowerPoint's not so powerful. But God's Word is powerful, okay? Verse 2. And God said unto Israel in the visions of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here am I. And he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt, for I will go there and make thee a great nation. I will go down with thee unto Egypt. And I will surely bring thee up again, and Joseph shall put his head upon thine eyes. The Bible says that they came actually to Beersheba. Beersheba was the, the very southern end of Canaan. And when a person traveled past Beersheba, he was leaving the promised land behind. And when Israel leaves Canaan, he pauses to worship the Lord. And there can be little doubt that Jacob remembered the stories of his grandfather Abraham. How he left Canaan to go down to Egypt. Go back to Genesis chapter 12 and read about that. And you remember the trouble that came to Egypt, or came to his family because of Abraham's lack of faith. Before he makes the same journey, Jacob wants to know that this is the Lord's will for his life. And God answers him here. God answers his prayers. He reassures him that this is okay. God promises to go with him. God promises to protect Jacob. God promises Jacob that he'll see Joseph, and Joseph will attend to him until he dies, and God will give Jacob the green light to go. Again, this is a good example for us. Before we take any large steps, uh, we, we need to seek the Lord in, a, in the matter. And before Jacob took this large step, he sought the Lord's face. We need to do the same. We only pass through this world one time, and we need to be sure we do it right. 
There's no time for mistakes. There's no time for wrong roads. No time for detours. The Lord has a plan. He has a path. It's our duty to find His plan, to walk His path. Be sure to wait before the Lord and discover His will before you make the major decisions in your life. So we find then Jacob's future. Jacob's future. It says there in verse 5, And Jacob arose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob their father and their little ones and their wives and the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him, and they took their cattle and their goods, and they had gotten in the land of Canaan, came to Egypt, and Jacob and all his seed with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his daughter, sons' daughters, and all his seed brought he him to Egypt. Jacob hears the word of the Lord, and he moves to follow God. And because he does, the family of Israel is preserved through the famine. Because Jacob follows God, he puts his family in a position to be blessed of the Lord. I certainly want my family and to be blessed of the Lord. I trust you do as well. When we go with the Lord, he will, we'll always find ourselves in a place of blessing. I wonder this afternoon, where does this text find you? Are you moving ahead spiritually? You say, I'm not interested in moving. Well, you may not be interested in moving from your house to another house or from this city to another city. That's fine if that's where God wants you. But are you moving spiritually? Or are you living in fear and doubt over the various situations in your life? If so, let me assure you that our Lord is enough. Just like Israel said, it is enough. He wasn't saying, stop, stop, it's enough. No, he's saying, it is enough. That's faith. God is enough for whatever your situation is. In fact, he's more than enough. Does he find you needing heavenly provisions for your journey? Then talk to him about that need. He might just have a wagon ready for you. He'll show you that it is enough. Does it find you needing direction for some big step in your life? Take it to the Lord. You'll find that he is enough. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for...